Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's the Clash of the Titans, terrifying Halloween Countdown Special. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast where two movies with something in common go head-to-head to work out which one did it best. And welcome to part two of this week's Deconstruction Double. On Monday's episode, Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson postponed the shit out of slasher movies via self-aware smash it screen. And today, Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard are saying anything they can do, we can do meta by undermining the entire genre with their 2012 comedy horror, The Cabin in the Woods. So which of these films will satisfy our ancient ones? You're about to find out in Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Potters. I'm Chris Tilly. I'm Vicky Crumpton. And what this episode lacks in Alex Zane, it more than makes up for with writer, director and horror expert James Moran. Uh, so, James, thank you for agreeing to finish the week with us, which is more than Alex could be bothered to do. <laughs> You're very welcome. Um, on Monday, we screamed. So today we're heading to Cabin in the Woods, which I'm presenting. So allow me to take you on a journey. And I'm not going to do a spoiler warning like Alex did, because we never do spoiler warnings. No. We just spoil everything. Yes. That's what you've come for. <laughs> yeah. So no spoiler warning. Here we go. Five teenagers, one cabin and a ton of weed. What could possibly go wrong? A lot, as it turns out, as our young celluloid archetypes aren't simply on holiday, they're also being used in a ritual. Five sacrificial lambs being slaughtered to appease the mysterious ancient ones. What's beneath us? The ancient ones. The gods that used to rule the earth. So having summoned a family of zombie redneck torturers, they are bumped off one by one. Though that weed I mentioned earlier actually saves our hero skin, making Cabin in the Woods a resolutely pro-drug movie. Statistical fact, cops will never pull over a man with a huge bong in his car. Why? They fear this man. They know he sees farther than they. And he will bind them with ancient logics. However, their survival leads to the end of the world, so maybe the message is weed is bad. Either way, the film is also a brutal takedown of the genre, making the audience complicit in the horrors on screen and questioning why the world craves all this violence and death. They want to see us punished. (laughs) This is awesome. Whoa, no way. The lambs have passed through the gate. 
They are come to the killing floor. Get this party started! I seriously believe something weird is going on. What is that thing? We have to stay together. This isn't right. We should split up. Yeah, good idea. Really? We gotta get out of here. Somebody sent those things here to get us. You're missing the point. They want to see us punished. So, James, do you have any kind of history with this film? Um, yeah. I, I was, I was, very, I could not have been more excited to see this. I, I was so, I was, I was, I was well on board. I love everyone involved in making it. Love the cast, love the creatives. Um, so I was, I was the perfect audience for it. Um, and I, I, I have, kind of have a rule that I, I won't sort of slag off other people's work in public, um, but it's, it'd be difficult to, to, to talk about it um, if, I, if, I, if there isn't some um, <laughs> constructive uh, criticism. Um, it, it just it rubbed me up the wrong way, to say the least. Interesting. Vicky, that, is, this, is this the first time watched yeah, for you, Vicky? that's yes. so interesting because... I, it's the first time I've seen it, and I was just, because uh, I was wrong-footed from the start, I was so in. I just loved the fact that I didn't have a fucking clue what was going on. And I could see it on the page, and the thought of having read it, I, I, I just would have been blown away by it. Um, I do, I mean, it's not perfect, and we'll get there, but yeah, I have to say I had a very good time. I saw this one on March the 9th, 2012, and I think it was the second ever screening of this movie. So it was kind of a big deal because when it was finished, the company that made it, MGM, went bankrupt. And so this film didn't come out for three years. So there was a lot of anticipation around it. And I saw it at a festival in Austin where the, the audiences are very vocal, they're very knowledgeable, and it really did... Um, take the roof off the place. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that maybe affected my uh, opinion of it, but it was a really fun screening. And the only other thing I'd say on that front is I, since then I've, I've made two other non-horror fans watch it and they both loved it, mm. which was interesting to me because I think the first sort of criticism of the film was that it, it, it'll either only work if you know horror or if you know horror, you won't like it because of what it's got to say and, and the way it's taking the piss. So mm. uh, that was just interesting. Right, let's talk about how this film got made. Um, Drew Goddard is the director and writer. Joss Whedon is the producer and writer. They started talking about this during their years making Buffy together. Um, Joss says it has this, It started off as having the same central premise as Buffy uh, in his head, which is why do these bad things keep happening to blonde girls? <laughs> um, Drew... Goddard grew up in New Mexico in a town where they make atomic weapons. And he said every day he'd see normal, decent people go to work each day and make 
WMDs, which was a strange juxtaposition. It was also inspired by a T-shirt that Drew Goddard brought at Comic-Con that featured a werewolf and a unicorn, unicorn rearing up at each other uh, beneath the words, it's on now. <laughs> that inspired the pair of them. Uh, but after Angel ended, uh, they got serious about it. Um, Joss Whedon said it's the first idea he's had that, that he said it's only the second idea he's had that came to him in three acts um, with an ending. Uh, he felt like they were ready to go. So um, as we said on Monday's episode, they wrote it in three days. A pair of them uh, got a hotel room together, spent the morning breaking story, uh, wrote for the rest of the day. They, they worked from 6 a.m. to 1 a.m. And uh, they said, he said they were very invested and focused in this. And within three days, it was all written. Although there was one little falling out they had uh, because this was always for Joss to write and Drew to direct. And then uh, when they'd finished it, Joss had changed his mind and said he wanted to direct. Oh, no. <laughs> How would you feel if that happened, James, in your world? Oh, I'd be totally fine with it. Um, <laughs> just, uh, just pretty good natured about the whole thing. These things happen. Um, you know, fair enough. We, we've we've just written something together. Are you going to ask to take my name off it? Uh, <laughs> well, That's I... so awkward. <laughs> I've I've already I've already scribbled it out. I have, oh, lovely stuff! I, I could just blank it out, but I thought I'll leave the name on there and just put like a like a fake scribble over the top. I'm cool with that. They were, but they figured it out. Uh, Drew Goddard got to direct it. It was a directorial debut. And just the only other thing about behind the scenes, uh, they said that the biggest challenge they had making this film was trying to get all 200 people on set to understand the tone. And this comes up again and again when you talk about comedy and horror. Is is that the biggest challenge you face when you're you're writing something like Cockneys and Zombies or or um, Severance, uh, James? Is 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 getting the, the the tone right throughout? I mean, this thing I. Without without sort of bragging, I I never seem to have a problem with it. I I write horror films that are allowed to be funny if they need to be when they need to be. Um, if you want if you want to call that horror comedy, then that's fine. I've stopped calling things horror comedies now because execs and marketing people get really nervous. They go, "Move, that's going to be really hard to sell because it's two things, and audiences mm. don't like two things in one movie, so no. it's going to be really difficult to sell." Uh, which is not true at all. There's been a million horror comedies. That, that have done perfectly well. Um, but it's interesting that Scream in particular was sold as a scary horror film. And then when I, when I saw it for the first time, I was really surprised how funny it was. So it wasn't sold as a horror comedy. It was just sold as a horror. So I've just started calling my stuff horror now. And then when people say that there were a lot, there's lots of laughs in it, then that's fine. Just say thank you. Um, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's that, it's that tonal thing where I, I know what it is. I'm putting it down on the page um, and then the people who read it and make the film, they don't have a problem with it. They 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 seem to get it. I think if you, if you if you know what you're doing and and you put it on the page, then it will come across what the tone is. It's difficult to get, to get tone across in an outline, but if you've got the actual script, you can tell what the tone is pretty much straight away. It's mm. only when the thing is finished and then people who have to make trailers kind of go, oh, I don't know, it's two things. That's really hard. Which is not and this case. film does really throw you off as well with its prologue. You know, they say it does split into three acts, but you've also got a prologue where you meet uh, these two characters, Citizen, played by um, Richard Jenkins and Hadley, played by Bradley Whitford, and they're having a coffee. They're talking about fertility. Uh, they find out that the Stockholm um, experiment has failed, and now it's up to Japan and America. Uh, and we're not really understanding what they're talking about. Um how did you feel about this cold open, James? I, I, I have I have a lot of issues with this, um, and I'm I'm trying I'm 
I'm trying to sort of do it constructively and not just to go, mm, I didn't like it. Because that's not that's not helpful to anyone. Um I felt I feel that it completely undermines the tension and the scares and it tells you right up front nothing of what you're about to see in the cabin with the teenagers is in any way real. It's all it's all being orchestrated, it's all being set up. We don't we don't know exactly why, but it just tells you up front it's all orchestrated and and it's not actually really genuine. So it kind of takes away the tension, takes away the scares, and it kind of stops you knowing who to really root for. Because like, well, I'm, I haven't had a chance to get to know these teenagers because they're basically pawns on a stage set. Um, so I can't really root for them. I can't really root for these people in the office who were who were orchestrating the murder of these of these teenagers. I'm not going to root for the monsters, obviously because they're 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 all monsters so i don't quite know who to root for and i'm not scared and and i don't know why i'm why i care the thing we come to expect from this kind of movie is for us as the audience to um have the twist revealed to us at the same time the characters Mm. find out Mm. um do you think it would be better vicky if they'd saved this moment until Later in the film, about the halfway point, in a it, like M Night Shyamalan might. Have yeah, done I see what you, I see what you're saying, Chris, and what you're saying, James. I think what because of the way it does start, and I didn't have a clue what was happening. I couldn't hear a lot of what they were saying. They're speaking so quickly, and then that just had me hooked because I was like, right, fuck, I need to pay proper attention. But the sacrifice was made for me at that point. I was, I knew I wasn't going to be frightened. I was just going to have a laugh because everything that James has said, you, yeah, you can't care. There's a, there's a moment in the, at the midpoint where I was rooting for the kids a little bit because. Um, of uh, Richard Jenkins and um, what's he called Bradley Whitford Uh, they're they're the baddies at that point but it was a very light touch thing it didn't really matter to me all that much but because of the dialogue and because of how quick it is the office party the the betting pool all the rest of it I was like this to me is just a comedy um, and that's fine for me in the filmmaker's defence this is what they said about it they said they like the idea of people thinking that they've walked into the wrong movie at the start Yeah. and what you're talking about is the words they use actually they said they wanted people to be confused and and, and intrigued which it sounds like what worked on you Yeah. but also it feels like they were also I don't know being maybe a bit twee with what they were doing with themselves Uh, Joss told Drew that he he wanted them to put their cards on the table right away so they then had to come up with more cards as the film progresses Clearly, that's worked for some of us, not for all of us. Yeah. So we're into the movie with these youngsters. Uh, we meet. I'm going to use the name of the archetypes here, just so everyone knows that these aren't my choice of words. <laughs> You're going to say whore. <laughs> yes, I'm going to say. Don't call that girl a whore, Chris. Uh, we've got the scholar, who's Holden, played by Jesse Williams. The athlete, Kurt, who's played by Chris Hemsworth. Uh, the whore, Jules, who's played by um, Anna Hutchinson. Take that smile off your face. The, are, the virgin, Dana, played words. by. <laughs> and Chris, Krista Connolly and uh, the fool Marty, who's played by Franz Kras. And so they're heading up to a cabin. They, uh, they're not quite um, falling into the stereotypes uh, that we'd expect because we figure out, we find out later why. They're, they're actually seen quite normal, decent people from the off. Um, but something's already happening with Jules because pup, the, the, they've already um, put chemicals in her hair dye mm-hmm. to slow down her cognition <laughs> to make her the dumb blonde. Yeah. And so uh, that's already happening at this point. But, you know, Marty, I think he's already likeable. Uh, the fool, the stoner. Yes. Um, he already seems to be more intelligent than you would expect 
from that character to be and he tells them all you will come to see things my way which obviously his only misstep when he's like when he's smoking his reefer and he's like oh you know people are watching us they're going to put microchips in kids heads I was like yes correct cannot wait for that day <laughs> like that to me is, I, I will rush towards that point Pro- progress as far as I'm concerned if I know where they are at all times and they can't be stolen perfect yeah He's an idiot. <laughs> we also meet Mortigai at this moment, the Harbinger, um, who's a gas station attendant. And I guess this scene would maybe be more interesting if, as you say, we didn't know what was happening beforehand. We could think we were being cleverer than the film by saying, oh, this is a cliche. <laughs> but it is funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Did you like him? <laughs> oh, come on. Am I on speakerphone? That's funny. <laughs> uh, what did you think about uh, when we got to the cabin? Um James and 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 we start uh, we 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 first come across this mirror uh, that's a two way mirror so you can see into someone else's room. Well, they don't they don't really do anything with it. It's just, it's just a here's here's a creepy thing that mm. we've just popped in. It doesn't bear any it doesn't bear any relation to the plot. Um, it's not really used for anything. Um, it's it's kind of a joke. Um, it doesn't it doesn't really and also the, the whole time I'm kind of I'm going. Well, those guys are underground, aren't they? They're 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 doing they're doing stuff. They've set all this up, and what, why is, why have they put the mirror there? Why is why is yeah. that? And that's you, you don't want the audience thinking that. Like, well, what's what, why is why has that happened? Why why have they done that? Um, why why don't they do this instead? You do not want the audience thinking that. So so I'm just waiting for the guys underground to start doing stuff because I know this is all staged. So yeah, but I f- I also feel like it's trying to get us to think about voyeurism. As I well. don't know. I yeah, I think it wrong foots us a bit because. If there's a two-way mirror, which is used to spy on people, but there's no spying going on within that cabin itself. It's all done through cameras and whatever. So, yeah, unless it's going to be a really fun reveal later, just tell me what you... Because I've only seen this once, what you thought. I got really distracted by and a bit obsessed with, and it ruined the film a little bit for me, about where exactly we were. Were So with the, uh, the control room... Were we in the real world, but an enhanced real world, because there's obviously a lot of uh, dabbling and mythical creatures and whatever else going on. For ages, I thought we were in purgatory. And so that ruined it for me because that is not the real world, obviously. And I thought that, you know, because they keep talking about the the phone call coming from upstairs and downstairs. I was like, well, obviously heaven and hell. So we're in purgatory. Oh, no, we're not. And it it ruined the midsection for me because I, I couldn't get my foot in with it. But then maybe it was supposed to, and I was just being a bit uh, nitpicky. When I got, I got a little bit of the voyeurism thing because they, they, they sort of explicitly mention it later on. There's a when the two characters are about to have sex, and she starts taking off her shirt, and and one of the office guys is like, "Oh, do we need to see this?" And he's like, "Yeah, well, you know, we're not the only ones watching. Got to keep the customers satisfied." And I just think, okay, so you're you're referring to the ancient gods down below who have to see the boobs <laughs> for this this archetypal story to happen, but you're kind of implying that me as an audience member wants yes. to see the boobs as yeah. well because I'm stupid and that I just want to see these same stories. So I, I, I never like it when a movie goes, mm, maybe you, the audience, are the real villain. <laughs> you're, you're complicit because you're watching this movie. I'm like, you, you made, made it and you told movie. me to watch it. So. <laughs> are they not sort of having a go at the conversations that directors uh, feel that they have to have in this genre when really they don't have to have these conversations, yes, aren't they? Kind of. But at the same time, if if you're if you're doing the very thing that you're supposedly yeah. parodying, then you're just doing you're doing that same thing. It's like it's all very well to say you know it's it's a bit it's a bit cheesy when 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 some horror movies have have a booby shot, and it is, and that's a perfectly valid thing to say. But if you then just have a long lingering shot of of one of your lead actress's tits, 
then you're just doing the same mm-hmm. thing. And I felt very uncomfortable watching that again, uh, as I did the first time. And I was like, this is kind of embarrassing. And, and in the first five minutes, the lead actress, she's just sort of wandering around in her, in her, in her underwear. Is, yeah. And we've got like very close up shots of her. Yeah, the, the I front agree with you. It needs to be smarter. Sound like a Victorian gentleman. She's there. She's no woman ever forgets to put her fucking trousers on. So Chris Hemsworth's like, "You're not wearing pants." She's like, "Oh, what am I like?" It's like no one has ever ever done that. You do not wear the top half of your clothes and no bottom half. But it is a common trope. Isn't that Jules that ha- that happens to though? Is no, it it's all like, oh, heroin. Oh, no, it's heroin. Yeah, yeah, so she's just doing stuff. She's but she's doing like a full day's worth of jobs. She's like, I'm gonna pack my bits. She's not like, oh, I'm just in the middle of getting dressed. She's forgotten to put trousers on. But I thought if this And this is before they get to the cabins, yeah. before before she's been infected by any Yeah, yeah. So it just needs to be smarter about I see that scene, I see a girl like that, and it's like, okay, I know where I am, I understand why I'm seeing that. I'm not happy about it, but there it is. And it needs a scream caliber line to make me laugh along with it and get the joke a bit more rather than oh you forgot to put your pants on regarding uh jules breasts uh on the commentary drew and joss say that it was important to them that the nudity stopped as soon as she was in distress or pain oh well great guys <laughs> oh that's totally fine then <laughs> it's I, important yeah we, we, we just oh dear. we just showed several minutes of it yeah. first but then but then you know we've we got standards yeah, we stopped thanks, as, soon as, there, as soon as there thanks, was violence men. but this doesn't awful lot of shots of her dancing around in very tight shorts yes. and, and a crop top and bending over and and like lots of low angles of the women as they're walking away and, and sort of panning mm-hmm. up their legs and it's like guys it's you know if it was the 50s i, I you know fair enough when, when you're when you're appealing to teenage boys at drive in drive throughs <laughs> but i mean come on it's this is especially when you're when you're saying this is a bad thing and, and we're kind of making a comment on it if you're just doing the same thing then you're not making a comment. You're just having your cake mm. and eating it. Uh, the five of them head into a basement full of nightmares and horror knickknacks. Uh, <laughs> they pick up a bunch of different things, little realising that whichever one they, they choose will be how they get killed. Uh, and it ends up being the diary of Patience Buckner, who's a member of the zombie redneck torture family, uh, the Buckners. And so this is when Act 2 begins, when the Buckners attack. Uh, we talked a bit about uh, the fact, uh, what happens here. So it's, it's sort of, we're in slasher territory now. Um, the 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 redneck zombies come and kill and and beat people up and we think that Marty's dead, but he gets killed off screen. Um, and also we we we're going back to uh the other plot line where we're seeing um how they're kind of celebrating. Uh, are they above ground? I'm getting confused now. Or are they below ground? Well, this I did at this I point. I still down, wasn't like... clear. I was like, oh, it's a nightmare factory. Okay, fine. In the real world, in quote marks. Oh no, it's not because of the ritual. So we're in a sort of supernatural realm somewhere. Oh no, we're not because we're having an office party. And I, I like it as set pieces. I think the office party is very funny. And I think Bradley Whitford's line because he's obsessed with the merman and he loses the bet because it's the Buckners that come to kill the kids. And he's talking about Chris Hemsworth. He's like, but he had the conch in his hands. That made me laugh my head off. I thought that was brilliant. But I still wasn't sure where I was. Mm. Mm. And in that scene, actually, um, Chris Hemsworth delivers a speech trying to <laughs> G them all up in it, when they're still in the cabin. And apparently they were so impressed with those dailies, uh, Joss Whedon sent them back to the studio. And within two days, he'd been cast in Red Dawn and as Thor mm-hmm. off the back of one speech because they said, we've got a movie star here. He's good. Um, we also cut to Japan. Uh, how do you feel about what was happening in Japan, uh, James? I mean, it's this is the thing. I, I I love the concept. It's a great concept. It's a great idea that 
this whole slash thing is a ritual that appeases ancient gods to 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 not end the world. So, you know, just taking it from that from that point of view, I love that you see glimpses of the other rituals around the world, and that I think that was one of the few things where I kind of went, oh, that that that's funny because this is kind of like the stereotypical Japanese horror movie moment where it's a, it's a it's a girl with her hair over her face and, and there's little schoolgirls, mm-hmm. and. And I, I appreciated that because, you know, by that point, you kind of know, you kind of know what's going on. Um, but I mean, I, I, I did enjoy lots of lots of moments in in the thing. Um, but because because I'd been annoyed right from the beginning and <laughs> and, it, and it, it just started annoying me more and more as it went on, I kind of couldn't really enjoy them as much. I enjoyed Kiko's spirit living on in the happy frog though and <laughs> yeah, i actually I, 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 it, and it's 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 nicely buttoned with with richard jenkins just shouting fuck you <laughs> to these really cute uh <laughs> japanese children uh but as we move on um marty isn't dead oh sorry we've got we've got chris hemsworth we've got the jock's death which now, is... yeah now this i this annoyed me annoyed me a lot still annoys me because when i first saw the laser net when the kids are in the van and they're going to the cabin mm. i was like fucking love this film like where did that come from however by the rules of that by the oh, the rules of the film itself chris hemsworth death into the laser net shouldn't count because he doesn't bring it on himself that's an artificial way of him dying basically if he'd done the jump the motorbike jump and he'd fucked it up because he was too proud or he was too cocky or he was too whatever and he just didn't make it then he can die within the rules of the film but if you can be killed so swiftly why not just the minute they all come out of the rv through the tunnel just kill them all just chop their heads off there's the, the idea that if they break the rules they will die and i don't see what rule he broke apart from flying into a net that they put there that's, that's a fair. really really good point they could just as soon as they arrive in the van just just stop the van get them all yep. out and then just shoot them in Smash the head one by one done yep. in, done in two minutes yes. isn't the rule he's broken being a, a turning into an alpha male bully yeah, but it's the method, isn't it? It's mm. um, th- it's their thing. The net is theirs. It doesn't exist within nature. It doesn't exist within no nightmares, particularly. So mm. it's it's too. It doesn't make sense within their rules. Why, I don't why think. trigger a storyline about about uh, zombies? Yep. If if he's then going to be killed by, killed by the, the special the special laser net dome thing? Yep. And also, you kind of give that away in the first few minutes of the film. If mm-hmm. we hadn't known about that, again, I, I keep coming back to this. If we hadn't known about that. And we thought, oh, he might actually make this jump. So we're worried that he might not make the jump and fall down. We are not going to expect him to smash into some invisible barrier. That would have been yeah. such a big shock. Yeah, it relies on you having forgotten about it. And yeah. they would even if they even if they did it like that, there'd still be work to do with having a rule, which I'm not aware of, which is like vanity, not vanity, uh, just being too cocksure will get you killed. But that's not really true. Yeah. So, so you know he's gonna you know he's gonna die at that point. So that again, yeah. any any time there could be a moment of tension or suspense or a scare, they they undermine it so that you you're not you don't you just don't feel anything. It's like well, this is where he dies. Yeah. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, 
information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So Dana um, ends up underwater but survives, makes her escape to the surface. Um, the Buckners try to kill her, but Marty saves her because Marty wasn't really dead. And so we've got our two heroes for the final act. And uh, as they called it on the on the commentary, the moment the elevator door closes on these two, that's when act three begins. So we clock the monsters that they could have battled, including a werewolf, a wraith, a hell lord who's very pinhead, <laughs> um, a sugar plum fairy. We see a spider, a clown, a robot, uh, Fornicus, the lord of bondage and pain. I looked him up. I like that name. And my favourite ones, one of them, one of the monsters was apparently called Balding Menace. <laughs> which is what I might call myself from now on. I don't think you should. <laughs> uh, and at this point, we uh, hear the director's voice um, who explains to them, it's a woman's voice, and it's, the woman explains to them that deaths are inevitable and necessary. They're part of something bigger and older that they could never imagine. Um, to placate the ancient ones, they're pissed off, so they do um, a system purge. Now, this film was written to get to this moment of chaos, yeah. uh, they said. You know, that was the idea, and how do we work back from there? But my, So this button, you press the button, all the monsters all the monsters are released, and uh, they start uh, killing the facility security team and, and everyone there. Why would they need this button is my question. It's a good question. <laughs> Why have the one button that can fuck it all up See, that, that, and make it big? That's that's <laughs> funny that, that you you like the film and that's the one thing you have an issue with. That's the one thing. <laughs> that's the one thing where I'm like, actually, that is the that is the moment in the film where I'm like, okay, now I love it because now I don't know what the fuck's going to happen because yeah. everything's gone wrong. 
It might also be my favourite moment in the film. We haven't got there yet, yeah. but um, it, I just, it was just funny to me that someone built that into the system. <laughs> yeah. We need one button that releases everything at one time. <laughs> yeah, but why, why, why would we need that? Should we maybe like have like maybe just like have a key or something? Should there be a key? <laughs> no, I've, I've put a little plastic over it, so you know, so you have to flip it up before you press the button. That'll stop him. <laughs> and it means we get to see a dragon bat as well. Um, in that scene, apparently, Bradley Whitford was firing his machine gun like it was the best day of his life. So Joss <laughs> had to go over to him and tell him, actually, this is the worst day of your character's life. <laughs> stop being so happy. Um, and then we're into the final straight, really. We end up in the ritual chamber where we meet the director and she's played by um, Sigourney Weaver. Although certainly at my screening, everyone had figured it out by then because her voice is so recognisable. Yeah. Um, it's great casting, though. It's one of those casting moments where it does a lot for that character already just yep, by having agreed. her walk in yeah. with her presence. And she talks a fair amount of sense. Um, although she's telling them that, for being, that they're being killed for being young. It's different in every culture and it's changed over the years, but always required r- youth. So everyone on this podcast, I reckon, is safe from this. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, James. Sorry, James. Um, uh, so we find out that if Marty lives to see the sun come up, the world will end. Um, and you know they're having an interesting philosophical debate and then Dana grabs the gun and goes to shoot Marty what were you thinking at this point James? Well that's that's the moment where I thought oh my god if if she if she actually just kills him and saves the world wouldn't that be really horrible or a really awful thing to happen to her character and that'd be a real sort of down ending but then ultimately you know, this is this is real. These are real ancient gods, and it ha- and it has really saved the world. So she has saved the world, but she gets to spend her whole life being miserable that all her friends are dead, and she is responsible for the death of her best friend. Wouldn't that be a hot? And then, of course, they didn't do that. Mm. So, would you have preferred it Again, if they had that more? The one time they could have gone for a shock or or you know a proper horror moment, they they don't do it. And you know, and it's it's nice that they do, and it's, it's it's fun that they end the world, and we and we see it happen. Um, because at the same time, it's like, do you really want to be part of this system where you are slaughtering innocent teenagers every single year, just in the hope that that it that it works? Um, but yeah, I think that would have been that would have been a real shocker and a real down moment. Um, but yeah, but yeah, that's that's not really what they were going for. Uh, so as you say, she uh, she doesn't end up killing Marty. Uh, a werewolf shows up. Patience Buckner shows up. The director dies. The werewolf and Patience die. And then the two of them are left sparking up a joint, have a funny little conversation. And then um, they say they look forward to seeing the ancient ones. And the chamber shakes and rumbles and starts to collapse. And then a huge hand bursts up through the facility and smashes through the cabin in the woods. And that is your ending. How do you feel about that end, Vic? Uh, I this is so pedantic, but because it took me this long to realise, oh, we are in the real world. Then I was like, okay, fine. And then I sort of missed. I was distracted, and so it was only at this point that I knew where we were and not in purgatory, which I just got really hung up on. Mm. Um, and so I was like, oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. I get it, I get it, and that's good. Um, I love the fact that it's like there's not going to be a se- there isn't going to be a sequel, is there? Like, <laughs> no. I just I do. I mean, you can, you if you're Joss Whedon, then it's fine. You can do that. But it, it just the idea of like cut to black and it's like there is nothing else. This is it, like this sort of perfect project. I, I love that. I love the, I, I like the hubris of it, to be honest. Um, 
But I did think that Dana was going to, yeah, maybe either go the way that James has said or that sort of end up working for them. I thought that would have been, you'd have to do so much character work to make that such mm. a, a, a surprise. But maybe she gets recruited. So, uh, you know, and, you know, she starts off and she's perfectly innocent and all the rest of it. And then she's recruited to the dark side. I would have quite liked that. Yeah. But then she's like, here's how we're going to make it better and how we're going to make it not oh, as painful for the for these nice. people do you know what i mean it's like she's like i'm gonna i'm gonna try and make things better for for you know if these people have to die every year we're gonna make it so that so that we get something good out of it as well as saving the world i think she might have walked in with that intention and be like i'm gonna sort this shit out and then got in there and be like this is so cool and awesome i'm gonna be even worse than the people that went before yeah, me completely that's, the and, way I and that's, that's what that's what you would have to do just to just to make it yeah. even more even more horrible but yeah this is the thing they're not they're not trying to make a horrible scary horror movie they yeah they're 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 satirizing it um it just i mean you know it's to compare it to scream scream's made written and made by someone who has loved the horror genre their whole life is, is obsessed with horror and wants to do something they haven't seen yet and use the tropes and cliches to have some fun and entertain an audience this is made by people who seemed to not like horror movies at the time and go, oh, I would love horror if only it was proper horror. So here's here's mm. all the things that are wrong with horror that we think, and we're going to fix it. And it mm. just, and I think that's why I, I just kept getting so annoyed in the cinema, because it felt like I was just sitting watching a horror movie with somebody sitting next to me, just whispering in my ear going, horror's really stupid, isn't it? Horror's really shit. People <laughs> are like, horror must be really stupid. It's not proper, it's not a proper movie <laughs> if it's horror. And it just, it just felt like that all the way through. And it, it really angered me. And I'm sure that was, that couldn't have been the intention. I don't think they wanted to anger I don't people. Think so. I think I'm sure they did want to make something. I think that's how it works. And there is there is, there is lots of stuff I love in there. I think it's it's an amazing concept. The fact that this is why these things keep happening in horror movies. It's because there's these ancient gods that demand to see it, and that's really fun. That's a really cool. I love I love the the archetypes and the character tropes and, and the little the sacrificial stones and everything. I think it's a really great, clever idea. And then the whole logic of well, then you'd have to have a whole team of people with with a base and operating. And how would that work? Um, I I just I just think it's it's a great concept unfortunately it just seems to be made by people who don't like horror i'm sure i'm sure i'm wrong i'm sure they love horror but it just that's how it comes across and if it comes mm. across that way then then it hasn't worked for me i'm really concerned we're giving you ptsd here <laughs> i have i honestly i i watched it opening weekend i had not watched it again since and i rewatched it for no. this and that's the last time I'll watch it. I'm sorry we put you through this, <laughs> giving oh, you flashbacks. Okay, uh, shall we do the bits then? Yeah. Um, James, what, uh, what was your favourite scene? This is this is going to be ironic, as you will find out from what I say later on. Um, my favourite scene, my favourite moment um, is when the Murrayman comes out and you realise what it is. Yes! And he goes, <laughs> oh, come on. And I did, I, I remember laughing very, very loudly in the cinema because I was like, this, this feels like it's delivering on what, on what the movie the intention of the movie was it's like here's how yeah. we're gonna we're gonna take horror and we're gonna surprise you we're gonna subvert it i'm gonna do something you don't expect and that was a yeah. moment where i was like that's what that's that's the perfect bit that i felt it, it delivered on uh vicky what's yours 
Uh, the the nightmare cubes, I shall call them, when we get to see so the slow sort of uh, reveal of all your different nightmares. And the reason I loved it so much is, you know, the uh, the montage in Ghostbusters where the city's like melting mm. down and everything kicks off and you've got the like the ghoul driving the cab and then Slimer's going nuts. I love that montage so much. And this was that, but modern and updated. And it was like seeing old friends. Like I used to love monsters and creatures around that age. And I've sort of gone off it a bit as I've got older, but to see all those, all the creatures that you just listed it was like seeing my old friends and it's i thought it was brilliant yeah when they press that purge button you are not disappointed by the results they de- they definitely deliver on that alex has just texted me his uh favorite stuff uh, his bits and him and i have both picked the system purge that's our favorite scene for all yeah. the reasons we've listed uh mvw vicky bradley whitford i don't have to explain it i just have a very i have a blind spot for that man a soft spot for that man he can do no wrong have you seen the handmaid's tale he's fucking great in that so that's that uh alex went for him or the evil unicorn so as you've gone bradley whitford alex <laughs> is going for the evil unicorn uh james what's your most valuable whatever merman <laughs> me too me too it's because it's when not when the blood not... comes through the blowhole yes yeah because it's not it's not just like a really satisfying uh payoff to, Pay to a off, setup yeah. it's a it's a great monster it's a really funny that it happens to be him and then they don't yeah. they don't have to have the blood coming out the blowhole no but it's just it's like it's the icing on it's the cherry on the icing on the cake that just makes it even thing... more perfect the weird thing is watching the behind the scenes uh, stuff on this film. As I said, as I said in, the, uh, in the previous episode, Heather Lagenkamp, who plays Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street, did the effects on this. So she's explaining mm. how she and her husband created the merman. Awesome. And they're showing um, it's spraying it's spraying blood like a fire hydrant and it's way over the top. And so they ended up not using that version because it was too much. You realise there's a specific amount of blood that should come out of a merman for it to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and then if you could change anything, uh, what would that be? I feel like we got time for this, James. <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, this is... I, I, I thought this I've, I've thought this for years and when I when I started rewatching it I was like oh maybe it maybe it wouldn't work but now I've rewatched it for my second time ever I think it actually would work imagine if you'd gone in and you'd started watching a slasher movie some fun teens you'd taken some time to introduce them so that we realized that it's not just a jock and a whore and a virgin and, and a fool that, that you know so before it cha- it says that they're acting out of character get to know them get to love them kind of fall from them a bit take them to a creepy cabin. They start realizing something's not right here. They're acting out of character. There's weird shit going on. Um, stuff comes out the ground. There's zombies. There's, there's, there's this, there's that, the other. And then the, and then the kid finds a mic and then they find that hatch. They go down and that's when you discover that there's a whole underground base mm. and you, you can literally, and I, and I, I was watching it very forensically. You could just cut out all of those scenes up until the point where Sigourney Weaver's voice starts and it would still make sense because she explains it all anyway. So yeah, it, it, it all, I mean, you would, you would lose, you'd lose the merman, which is sad, it is but, sad. <laughs> but it, it, can you imagine how much more shocking that would have been to discover there was this, and you could, you could have even, you could have had even more fun with the whole slasher tropes. And it's like, why? Why is that happening? That doesn't make any sense. Why? Why? Why is? Why is there a zombie suddenly? What? What's this? What's that? And I, I, I feel like it would have made it an actual proper horror movie, and then had a massive twist. And then I, I, I think mm. I would have loved it because when when you're making a meta horror and Scream does this perfectly, you can you can you can be meta, you can subvert it, but you still have to deliver on the genre. Like if you if you're doing a meta slasher, I still want the third act to be a slasher. 
You know, I still want yeah. somebody in a mask chasing people around and killing people. If there's people in a cabin in the woods and zombies, I, wa- I want you to deliver on that. And there's very, mm-hmm. very little zombie action. And it, it, it doesn't deliver on what it promises. It just feels like a great big setup for a punchline that doesn't land because they've told you the punchline at the start of the film. I'm, Mickey, I'm very tempted to just to actually do a video edit and 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 do that and show it to someone who hasn't seen it. I would totally it. watch oh, that. Like a, a YouTuber, yes. I, I would totally yeah. watch that. And your change is actually making me potentially change my mind about the verdict coming up. But Vicky, uh, what would you change? Um, establish the world quicker, the the underground world for dummies like me. They were like, make it more obvious <laughs> that it's not purgatory and it's a sort of military type setting. I kept thinking God was going to walk in, and then you see Sigourney Weaver, and you're like, are you God? Because to me, that's like a big piece of casting it's like she could have been mm. like so i am the man upstairs <laughs> anyway or just for the fucking shits and giggles of it have the nightmare cube people <laughs> uh, monsters and spooks work together so what they do is the purge button unleashes them and they just go they kill anything they can see maybe just one joke where they team up and they're using intelligence to do something mm. bigger I like it. Um, Alex would uh, recast Sigourney Weaver. <gasps> um, and he says, no, he's wow. got a good point here. He says, it's because I love Sigourney Weaver, uh, but she's playing exactly the same, same character that she played in Paul the year before, which is true. Okay, yeah. And so he thought that um, mm. sort of, it, it spoilt it for him a little bit. And it is true. It's a, it's a weird thing that she played that, that part twice. Uh, mine would, I, I like the idea of every country having their own version of this story. And I wanted to see more of the J-horror or um, what was going on. It looked like King Kong was in Argentina. So yeah. I would like to have seen a bit more of all that stuff. And that's that. All right. We're coming up to the verdict. So um, which of these films uh, gives you a husband's bulge? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. What a nice uh, note to end on. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. Uh, Vicky, do you want to go first? I will go first. I'll be... I don't think I'm going to say it as eloquently as my colleagues. So I'm going to pick Scream because it's, uh, it is a slasher movie as well as... Send- well, sending up sounds too light, but you know what I mean. You, it's, it's what James has already said. It's meta and that's satisfying and fun and it was so surprising and so refreshing at the time, but it still is the thing it's supposed to be. Whereas Cabin in the Woods, I had such a good time and I'd watch it again and I'd laugh my head off, but it isn't the thing it's supposed to be. It's something else for me. Uh, I'm going to go next uh, because I know, I think I know what's happening here. Um, (laughs) I love both these movies. I I enjoy, uh, I I love the the characters and the dialogue. It's so much more memorable in Scream. Um, I appreciate the brutality of that film, but I also love how Cabin in the Woods keeps pulling the rug from under you. I enjoyed being in on the joke. Um, unlike maybe everyone else here today. Um, uh, and I liked how both sides have, have these belief systems and, and you can kind of understand where both sides of this film are coming from. And so, you know, you keep switching your allegiances. Um, but I, I like how it demands more from the horror genre and, and maybe even society in general. So, so for those reasons, as much as I love Scream, I'm voting for Cabin in the Woods. <gasps> Whoa. So, James, it's coming. Alex has sent me his vote, but as he's not at the table, he doesn't get a vote here. So, James, you're the decider. <laughs> I don't know if there's that much suspense here. <laughs> uh, there's, there's no suspense whatsoever. Um, much, <laughs> much like uh, Cabin in the Woods. So, my oh, my answer is Scream, obviously, because it's flawless. It revitalised the horror genre in a good way, and it's made with love, and it it only did good things. Mm. So Scream is the winner. 
Well done, Scream. Um, Alex isn't here, as I said, so he doesn't get a vote. But um, he messaged me and said, I love the mythology of Cabin in the Woods. I love the twists, but mainly I'm picking it because I love the monsters. And genuinely, the moment those lift doors open and all hell floods out is one of my favourite movie moments in the last 10 years. So it would have been a draw if he'd been here. But it, and anyway, the vote when it's a draw goes to our guest. So Scream was always going to be the winner. Uh, right. We can't tell you what we are doing next week, as this is the first time you are telling us what to watch. And if you've been following the poll on our Twitter, you already know what which films have won, which is weird as I haven't even posted that poll yet. Uh, so please check out at Clash Pod if you want to know what to watch. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and rate and give us a funny review as they make us smile and might mean I can start making some money out of this bloody thing. Well, if you want to send us an email, the address is show at clashpod.com. And finally... Thank you for being such an amazing guest, James. Can I just apologise to Drew Goddard, who I am a huge fan of? <laughs> um, I just, yeah, and I'm sure the intention no was not to upset me. Um, but... <laughs> do you think it was just one long con like this? It, will really, get it, it just just didn't didn't work for me. I'm terribly sorry. Love, love your um, other work. <laughs> <laughs> but if this wasn't too painful, will you please come visit with us again? I would love to, yes. I'm sorry my, my Siri uh, on my watch went off as I was in the middle of uh, saying something just then. It keeps picking up my voice as, I, as when I lift my wrist, even though I've turned that off. Is so. it trying to play you cabin in the woods? Change your mind! <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> it's the ancient ones. <laughs> right, uh, that's your lot. Uh, as ever, thank you for listening and goodbye. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.